0: a lot to get on my show genius you're probably someone we'd like to know you're really good at stuff you probably like to dance you like long walks and you wear clean pants genius get onto my show howdy folks welcome to living with a genius i'm your host omar crook well it's been a few minutes since i've uh, put up an episode Uh, and it's it's good it's a good thing it's not a bad thing I've been really busy, like, working feverishly on quite a few projects, and a few of them are really paying off. So it's not that uh, I don't enjoy doing these shows. I love it. I've just been dedicating myself to some other really exciting projects that I'll be able to talk about in the very near future. But in the meantime, on today's episode, I've got the new artistic director of the Los Angeles Children's Chorus, Fernando Malvar Ruiz. What a great guy. We had a really lovely conversation. Uh, as many of you know, I, I try not to do too much research um, into uh, the guests that I have on the show. I do a little bit, I'll be honest with you. But uh, I'll tell you, I didn't really need to do any because he was so easy to talk to. He's a great storyteller. He has got a great heart. And the one thing that I really got from this interview um, is really important at this time of year, and that is to not be um, sick with experience, to not be pessimistic, to not be too sarcastic. This guy has been in the business for 30 plus years, and he, the way that he speaks about what he does makes it feel like he's just started on this really exciting journey, and he's been doing it for decades. And it was a great lesson, it's a great lesson to learn, especially when um, it's really easy to be a Grinch at this time of year. And uh, it was just really refreshing to talk to somebody who believes so wholeheartedly in the goodness of what they do. I happen to believe the same thing. I think that music has a lot of power, uh, both personally and in our society. I spend most of my time pursuing those things in music as well so we really had a lot of resonance between the two of us i hope you enjoy our conversation thanks for tuning in i appreciate your listening and um, hopefully i'll be putting up some more of these sooner than later in the meantime here is fernando malvar ruiz fernando thank you for being on the show you know i've taken um some time off from the show so i'm really glad to be back in the saddle here with you
1: Oh, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Um, first of all, tell me uh, a little bit about your background. I—I I mean, I've read your material, but mm-hmm. I like to pretend for my audience that I don't <laughs> do any research and that we're getting to know each other for the first time here. So, how did you get into music? Did were you did you come from a musical family?
1: Not really. I mean, my family is musical, but not in a professional way. Uh, at family gathers, everybody sings, and right. uh, we all love dancing and that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, but there are no professional musicians uh, in my close or even far family. Uh, so I, I'm the I'm the only one.
0: We share that. I'm the same. Oh. I, I'm the only professional musician in my family.
1: It's a, it's an amazing how, how how that happens, right? You, yeah, you're born with music in your head and. That's I think so.
0: And I, I would imagine for you, as far as the dancing and music goes, it really is ingrained in your culture. You're from Spain. Is that right?
1: That's correct. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm from uh, a region of Spain called Galicia in the Northwest. And Galician people are very musical. Yes, uh, they, they not only sing at gatherings, but they harmonize. Like yeah. improvised harmonizations and right. uh, normally it's just thirds, you know, parallel thirds. and <laughs> well, just stuff. thirds. <laughs> That's all right. That's what I do. <laughs> but but my, my earliest memories of, of music were those of my uncle and my aunt and my dad singing. Yeah. Do you get back to Spain very often? I do. I have a house in Vigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a city in Galicia, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my happy place. I go there every year.
0: Yeah, do you find the difference in musical expression? I don't want to say education because we do have a lot of music education here. Do you find the difference to be difficult to adjust to going back and forth? I, because my family goes to Spain very often. Mm-hmm. My mom just got back uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, oh. from Madrid. And um, that's one of the things we always talk about, going to, to Spain is all the music everywhere, and mo- most of Latin America. And I find that not to be the case so much here. Is that a product of education, or is it a product simply of
1: culture? What, what, what do you think? I, I would say it's cultural, in the sense that um, music is a, an intrinsic part of life in uh, Latin American countries. It is an intrinsic part of life here, but a little more in the background. So there's always music around but but it's either in the elevator or when you go to a store, and it's something that is not uh registering in the in the frontal lob right? yes uh and and I would say that that in Latin American countries music is uh something that elicits a more physical response, so you see there's always people moving to music and uh it's it, it's it's a bit more in the forefront i would say. Uh, without trying to stereotype too much yes
0: yes no I agree now getting back to your childhood um, when you uh, when did you first express um, either an interest or a talent maybe more a talent for because I think we all have interests in music as children but when did you discover that oh this might be you know
1: reasonable well um, my uh, my mom says that when I was three years old or two years old so i still was wearing diapers and uh, she bought me a toy grand piano yeah So it's one of those plastic pianos and uh it was more of a gag present than anything else <laughs> but she said that i spent hours sitting on that uh bench playing that p- toy piano which had eight keys or something like yeah that. and that uh i was trying to play the melodies that were playing on the on the radio and so she she thought back then that music might be something that i had to study
0: yeah and did you uh, did you always have the support of your parents or was it ever like uh, uh, the, i guess the question is my my grandmother used to say put all your eggs in one basket <laughs> and then you know pick up a different basket if that doesn't work yeah. out. were your parents ever saying like oh you should be study law or just in case or
1: well my it's a story of two parents. So my mom was always supportive. Uh, she, she was supportive, not necessarily because she loved music, which she did, but because she felt that this is something that I wanted to do. And all, all her advice was, if you are going to do this, be the best you can be. Right. My dad was disappointed because he always wanted to have a, a, a doctor <laughs> as a son. <laughs> and I, you could save a lot of money. <laughs> I, I was the appointed one yeah. to, be, to be a doctor only because my grades were, were good. And so there was a, there's a time uh, where you have to decide whether you're going to go to the university and study pre-med or, or law or whatever. And you have to do a test to mm-hmm. enter that university. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take that test.
0: Why, did you, were you scheduled to take the test?
1: I was scheduled to take the <laughs> test, but then I realized that if I took the test, the yeah. pressure would be bigger for me to continue this career path that I didn't have any interest. And so I didn't take the test and that's the time I decided to be a professional musician and continue my studies at the conservatory.
0: Tell me about the day that you decided not to take the test,
1: did uh, you tell anybody? Uh, I. I think it was a long subway ride <laughs> 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 coming from the conservatory. I, I lived in the outskirts of, of Madrid yeah. and it was a long subway ride and it, it was a particularly good um, piano lesson with Almudena Cano, which she is one of those people in your life that, that changes your life. And uh, it was a great session. We we played Brahms and Mozart and we talked about the links and connections and I was in... in in this, I was floating and then on the subway I realized that I, I would have to take that test in a month and and what that meant and I, it, it meant that at best I would have to dedicate only part time to that which I loved so much and at worst that mean, meant that I would have to abandon it altogether because if I go into a career that involves lots of study and time and Dedication. practice mm-hmm. yeah so at best music would have been a hobby and i i couldn't live with that so i i made the determination that uh i had to i have i had to do this career path and i had to do it in a way that sent an unequivocal message to my dad more than anything um i you know we, we are on the stubborn side in Spain. So if there was any chance that I could continue medicine, he would take it. Yes. So I had to do it in a way that there was no possibility for for him. So I I arrived home from that subway ride and I, I told my dad, I'm, I'm not going to take this test and this is why.
0: Did you go to your mom first or you went directly to your dad?
1: I went to my dad. I knew my mom was going to be yeah. super. <laughs> wow. It was, it was a... Uh, that takes a lot of courage. Well, I, I, I think that the passion for for the music, the love for the music, it gives you courage. I mean, once you decide to do something, that's there is no looking back, right? So it was a difficult conversation, and and my dad was quite disappointed, and um, our relationship suffered for for one year. In what way? Uh, I, I I think he I mean, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be aggressive in his, uh, in his disappointment, but, but it was clear that... There was, a, there was a period of mourning for him. There's a period of mourning, uh, the seven stages of grief. <laughs> 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 but then, um, uh, you know, he saw... There was a broadcast many years later. There was a, there was a CNN broadcast in which uh, my choir was part of, and he saw me on TV, and uh, he called me afterwards. And he said, I I was wrong.
0: So uh, how many years was it uh, between the time that you broke the news to him and this moment that you're describing? Oh, at least 20. Wow.
1: Yeah. But uh, after that year of, of, as we call it, the seven stages of grief, (laughs) of mourning, uh, he was not unsupportive. He was was actually very helpful. And what line of work? uh, Is he still alive? He's not. He, he passed away three years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. But I, I'm glad that, that uh, by the time he passed away, you know, he was he able to see success. that. Yeah, that not necessarily success. That I I was able to be happy. Um, success is a byproduct, I think. But I agree. But being professionally happy was something that he could see just how much I love doing what I do.
0: Was that a process for you? Uh, let me ref- Let me start over. For me, it was a process to mm-hmm. be professionally happy. Um, And it's something that has really happened since I've had kids. It's been in the last Hmm. five, six years. And somehow I got married a little bit late in life. I had kids a little bit late in life. And looking back, I wish I had done it earlier because something in that equation propelled me to become more... uh, content, I guess. And uh-huh. then through that contentment, I realized that I actually have been doing okay for a while. Um, <laughs> was that a process for you? Or were you always just thrilled to be performing music and, and getting paid for it was just a cherry on top?
1: It's a bit of both. It was a process until I found uh, what area of music I really loved. Yeah. So um, I, I began my professional career as a pianist. And uh, I loved practicing, and I loved making music, mm-hmm. uh, but but somehow there was something missing. This was solo piano performance, not solo piano performance, yes, not collaborative piano. Uh, no, not collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, collaborative piano is not was not taught uh, that heavily in, in Spain back then. Right. Uh, the the if you had talent for any instrument, then you were taught to be a soloist.
0: And would you say that the accompanist was kind of uh knock down a few pegs
1: i i didn't even have the notion that that i could make a living as an accompanist, as an accompanist. Uh, i mean interesting. That, that's how uh isolated i was from from that
0: world yes
1: at any rate uh just as i was having a specific sort of crisis mm-hmm. in terms of uh, i'm I'm not entirely happy i love music but this is not fulfilling i got a, an amazing break in the sense of uh, one of my my best friend my We've been friends since i was 12. Oh. and uh, he uh, was conducting a church choir and he went on vacation during easter this was in spain in spain yes and el coro de santo cristo del amparo that's the name of the choir, yeah. and the church and uh, he went on vacation and he he asked me could you please uh, sup for me i really need to go away and i said well but i don't know anything about choral music and he said, well, they don't either. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> the, you're safe. conditions were <laughs> ideal. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, this was, I mean, this happened over 30 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday because that was the moment. That was. Um, that, tell me
0: about it. I mean, uh, the, w- are you talking about the moment when you sat down and they started singing? Or tell me the, the exact mo- that moment. That rehearsal,
1: that rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, that, that. Without knowing anything about color music and this choir, uh, very willing people, lovely people adults, children, uh, adults, adults. and the youngest was 65. Wow, okay, so you can imagine, okay, uh, volunteer in, choir, imbalanced and and uh, not any kind of technique, but I didn't even know anything either. Mm-hmm. And yet, we made music. Do you remember what the first piece was? That yeah, you- it was uh. Bach's chorale <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought maybe Happy Birthday in two parts, or no Bach chorale okay. Haupt
1: von Blut. Uh, oh, although sure. we sang it in Spanish. Okay. In Spanish is O rostro lacerado, and um, I, I, was, I I just fell in love with the process. I I was so happy. I, again, long subway ride back home it was in cloud nine yeah. and I, th- I realized this is what I want to do.
0: What, was it the um, was it because it was a communal experience coming from a solo piano background which mm-hmm. can be so isolating was it being collaborative with people and being in a room with a bunch of people what was it about it that really set you off? A
1: combination of all of it. Uh, I, I love uh, collaborating I love communicating with other people um, there is also those moments in a, in, a, in a color music rehearsal where things just tune right, and I have a physical response to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, there is there's an adrenaline surge. There is there is something that I think transcends uh, this the space and and music uh, and and the moment yeah. and music itself. Yes, and it's perceived by everybody in the room. Yes, too. and those moments are uh, magical, life changing, and life changing. I agree. And so my life changed uh, after that rehearsal. I decided I want to do choral music and I've been incredibly happy in my profession ever since. Yeah,
0: I, I know those moments as well where, where uh, everybody's communicating on a subliminal, mm-hmm. subconscious level. And it's, a, it's one of the deepest forms of human contact that we can experience. That's right. And people who aren't in music, I don't know how they get that feeling.
1: Well, there are ways uh, um, listening
0: to music, maybe, or being with your kids, or
1: it's funny communal singing is is one of those <clears throat> activities that that is common to every culture, past, present, and I dare say, future. Uh, and it's because of it creates that that bonding, and even if you are not in a choir when you go to a football stadium and you sing along with, <laughs> with 60,000 <000 laughs> people. And jump people, up
0: and down together, yeah. Or you
1: go to church or the temple and you sing along with other people. It's those, that, that's the, that's the, the uh, communal experience yes. that in a choral rehearsal room happens more often because we work more at it. Yes. And maybe at a different level of sophistication in terms of the music being sung, but the experience itself it's, it's no different. It's funny. I think you just revealed
0: uh, to me something that I've never really um, considered formally in my thinking. And that is that I grew up in, in an atheist household. We, we, we didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. And maybe I experienced my religion through choral singing. And I know it seems like such a fundamental idea and so kind of cliche. But I've never really thought of it uh, for myself as being the way that I connect uh, with the world.
1: Right. Uh, and if you think about religion as a way of thinking of elements that transcend yourself. Right. Like going beyond yourself collectively. Right. Um, music has that effect. It transcends yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the, there is a deep connection between music and religion, uh Agreeing across cultures, across history. And I think this is one of it the reasons. It reinforces that. It reinforces that, that or, or sometimes the being feeble. leveraged for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's easier to, it's easier to reach into your pocket after you've heard of Baccarat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So tell me uh, the transition from moving uh, from Spain to the US. How did that happen? How did that feel? Hmm. What, what were the circumstances?
1: I, 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 looking back, I think my life is a series of very happy accidents. <laughs> I mean, we all can say that, but uh, my, my accidents It takes
0: a lot to recognize that, though, yeah. I think it happens to everybody.
1: Yeah, but, my, yeah. my accidents were particularly happy. Yes, <laughs> you know? yeah. So first accident was my friend going on vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, when I decided to study choral music full-time, I, I went to Hungary to the Kodá Institute uh, in Kecskemét. Because uh, Hungarian choral music is at the top of the world and um, I I like the method and the system. and and So I studied there for two years and then I befriended uh, an American singer who was also studying as an exchange student at the the Institute. And I went to visit her uh, during one of the breaks, spring break Hmm. uh, at the Institute. And um, she lives in Columbus, Ohio. So I was visiting her and... Uh, she said there, there is the campus of the Ohio State University one of the largest universities in the world and uh, let's go see it so I went to see it and then uh, this is the this building is the School of Music do you want to see it inside oh sure <laughs> I'll go see it inside and then yeah. <laughs> as we're coming in uh, this this gentleman is walking out and he said can, can I help you and she said oh the, I'm just with a friend we're visiting uh, the School of Music and uh, as it turned he was the director of choral activities James Gallagher and in talking, you know, he, he, he was very kind. He showed us all around. And, and during this walk, he started asking questions, you know, what do you do? And I told him what, what I did. And he said, well, you know, we are uh, starting some uh, auditions to offer scholarships for next year. And would you be interested? <laughs> That's another happy accident, right? Sure. So I, I said, "Yeah, for sure." Well, I mean, my first reaction, my, my to be honest, my first ac- answer was, "No, I'm I'm happy where I am." Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> Aha. I, I I as soon as I we left the building, my friend slapped me on the head and said, "What are you thinking? <laughs> do you know who this man is? And do you know what this universe?" So an is?
0: accident and a lesson.
1: And a lesson, yes. And so I I, I went back running and say i'm so sorry uh, yes of course I'm, I'm i'm interested and um i was offered uh, uh, an assistantship to come study at the ohio state university so that's that's how the transition happened to wow to here and, and
0: ohio is such a uh, i i've spent some time singing in ohio for mm-hmm. the opera company uh, both in cincinnati and in dayton ohio and i was Flabbergasted by the amount of support that mm-hmm. there that there is for the arts yes. in Ohio, the Ohio Arts Council, and the, I mean,
1: uh, yes, and and uh, Columbus particularly. Uh, also, there is there is strong support for music at the schools, mm-hmm. or at least there was back then. And things ha- things are changing as mm-hmm. uh, I guess the economy changes or or priorities change. But back then, I'm talking about 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was strong support for music in the school, and and Columbus high schools had some of the best choral programs in the nation. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, it's it, it was it was the best place for me to 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 get to know the the United States culture and, and Did the they States give
0: you a choir people. to work with? Did they? How did you? Yes.
1: Study? As a matter of fact, uh, the first assignment of my assistantship, <laughs> I arrived in July uh, before school started. It right? must have been freezing. And uh, <laughs> and so I in, they told me uh, Jim said your first assignment is going to be to clean up the choral library. <laughs> 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 and so <it> <laughs> I went into that room and I thought oh dear. This
0: is choral music in the United
1: States. <laughs> however however Again, what a happy accident! Because in organizing the choral Library, I got to know works I never knew existed. Sure. And furthermore, because Robert Shaw uh, went to work regularly with the Ohio State means, uh the Ohio State University Choir courses, uh, there were scores with his markings, uh, full scores with Robert Shaw's very meticulous markings, huh. and so. Uh, a project that should have taken me uh, one week took me three weeks because I would just sit down <laughs> and start reading all of these uh, sure. wonderful, and I learned a lot. Sure. So
0: now in Spain, did, were you exposed to American uh, choral repertoire at all? No. No. So we have, a, as you know now, a long tradition. Oh my goodness! Of American choral repertoire. Yeah. What What were the things? What were the pieces that really stood out to you as being like you found something in a treasure chest? Something you'd seen for the first time.
1: Randall Thompson was one of those mm-hmm. uh where uh, and barber. Oh. And and I was looking at these melodic lines and these beautiful transitions and I I I had no idea it existed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you can just the way a piece of music looks mm-hmm. just the way it looks even if you don't read music. Like Verdi's scores to me is ensemble writing you you look at the way it's written if you don't read music at all you think oh that's that's right. something. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so
1: the first the first assignment was the library. And then um, I I was um, Jim Gallagher's assistant with the Ohio State Men's Glee Club, Mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the best men choral ensemble in the country, Mm -hmm. uh, in the world, I would say. And uh, that was uh, such a formative period for me. And I learned so much from from this uh, gentleman and from the choir. And now things come full circle because this summer I have the opportunity to conduct the Alumni Choir of the Ohio State Men's League Club in a reunion we're going to do over the weekend. And uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm so happy <laughs> about this, to be able to go back and work with them and maybe give back uh, yeah. part of what I got.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how did um, how did Opportunity find you in Ohio to take you to places like a televised uh, concert for 9-11 mm. and for all these high-profile things. How how does that happen?
1: Well, here's another happy accident. (laughs) So uh, I finished a master's at the Ohio State University. I went to the University of Illinois for a doctorate Mm -hmm. in in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, while I was there, uh, I got a job conducting the Central Illinois Children's Course. By then, uh, working with children was uh, absolutely a a priority for me. Oh, okay.
0: I'm going to stop you there. Talk about getting into conducting kids it, the, first. How did that the, happen?
1: It, it happened in Hungary.
0: It, really? Uh, as part Oh, of, with the Kodai Institute, uh, of course.
1: As part sure. of our assignment, we went to observe uh, uh, an amazing children's choir called Cantemus, mm-hmm. and the conductor, Denis Sabo, mm-hmm. who is a genius. Uh, he's a math teacher who happened to love choral music, mm-hmm. and he's become one of the best choral musicians in the world. And that rehearsal was unreal. I mean, I, again, cloud nine. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, a light bulb moment. Light bulb. I, I, and I, I love the honesty with which these children sang. And it's an honesty that you don't get from adults.
0: Talk about that a little bit. What do you mean?
1: When, when a child sings, if, if, if they are buying into the process, they sing with their full body, mind, and spirit. And
0: Without the filter of life. Without, uh, yeah. without
1: the filter of self-reflection. Ah, uh-huh. so, uh So an adult has been told many times by the time an adult gets to be our age, no, you cannot do that. Or what are you thinking, <laughs> right? Yeah. How many times have a child been told that? Not that many. So for, for a child, the sky is the limit. There's there nothing they cannot do or there's nothing they cannot try at least uh, and and embark. So there is there is... There is a layer of cynicism that is deposited on us day by day as we grow up. Unfortunately, society just makes us a little more cynic every day. Mm-hmm. And and that that layer is very thin, if at all, existent in a child. So I was seeing this at play in the way he was working with this choir. They were doing music as sophisticated as any adult choir could do. They were uh, phrasing it. They were... And I was so impressed that I, I, I begged to stay longer of serving. So can I see you work for two more days? And um, he agreed. And and that's when I decided I want to be a children's choir.
0: You know what impresses me the most about what you just said? It, it, I, was expe- I, I was expecting you to say it's the sonority of the children's voices that really excited me. <laughs> and really, the answer that you gave me um, is very hopeful in a time... Mm-hmm. In the time that we are, I feel right now that um I don't know it's even it's even hard to to talk about kids at all without somebody kind of looking at you sideways, and the way that you expressed uh, uh the way that kids perform, I think is really the heart of it, and I think mm-hmm. I feel like you get as much as you give in this business,
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I agree 100% on that, <laughs> yes. Uh, so it, it is, of course, the this, this sound to me, this, this glorious sound is just a byproduct. It's a happy byproduct of the process. The process is to work with people, young people, but they're people um, that are capable of tremendous levels of sophistication. Uh,
0: Musical it, and emotional?
1: Both. Yeah. I mean, emotions are not taught. Mm -hmm. We're born with ability to react in an emotional way to anything. Um, Later on, we verbalize them, but the emotions are there. Just look at a baby. They are capable of anger, anger. <laughs> <laughs> unstoppable, unstoppable, and they are capable of unstoppable Unre- joy, unrelenting <laughs> anger, and joy. Yes, <laughs> but oh, you know, but that that blunt sort of emotion, it it has nuances. Yeah, uh, you as a father understand it, that tremendous level of nuance too. Uh, so, uh, children are people. Uh, capable of a tremendous amount of sophistication without, as I said, these layers of cynicism that are placed upon us. So uh, working with them is is just a tremendous reward. And to see the discoveries happening in the rehearsal room, right? And you, you can see it in their faces, but you can see it also in the music as it starts developing. Yes. Um, and through that work... Then you get the byproduct of these glorious, <laughs> right, right, or, or these glorious performances. So, um, it, it is a non-brainer for me to to work with children.
0: Now we've talked so much about your successes and the tremendous rewards that you both give and receive. Have you tell me about the challenges that you've faced? Have you had any <laughs> any major disappointments in your career? I mean, I certainly have. Uh- I mean, has anybody
1: fallen into the pit or any anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not really. Um, uh, I mean, one of the major disappointments in my, in my life is when the American Boy Choir School, which uh, was my uh, place of employment for 18 years. I was the artistic director uh, for 13, and I worked as associate artistic director for five years before that. And... Uh, that was a labor of love, and what an amazing institution! And uh, it closed doors two years ago. Why? Financial uh, problems, I hmm. think. Uh, the There were certain decisions made that that ended up coming back to haunt us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, depleted our endowment. And um, for the last sort of six years, it was a daily survival struggle. Uh, I Literally, there were days where I would wake up and not know if we were still <laughs> going to be able to open doors. Right. And yet, the level of performance of of this group of boys was as high as ever. And I take great pride on that, uh, on having being able to be part of this process and, and the fact that for a boy that... Graduated on the last graduating class uh, when we were just about to close doors. His experience was was no different to a boy that sang in 1939 or 1937. The wow. choir was founded in 1937. Wow! And that experience was uh, uh, no different, hmm. and and I take pride on that. The fact that that the team of people working at the American Boy Choir School was able to affect it, but the closing of the doors is is. Yeah, I still I'm still grieving over that even it's like two a years a Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because it's unfair. Or a death. Yeah. It's not it's not an institution like the American Boy Choir needs to exist. And is there any hope for it? In the future? I'm hoping. There is an alumni uh, group that that has uh, purchased the brand and the uh, you know, the assets of the mm-hmm. organization and they are thinking about rebuilding at some point. Mm-hmm. And I oh I should hope. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can do that, and I would offer my full support mm-hmm. uh, to, to do that. But other than that, to be honest, I'm, I've been very happy with my job. Now the, the end <laughs> and with that, my life:
0: Yeah, the end of that chapter mm-hmm. uh, two years ago brings us closer to where we are today. Correct. And I would imagine that there is another stroke of luck that happened between that point and this point. Uh, I mean, how did this come to be for you to take Anne's uh, follow-up with
1: Anne? I knew Anne Tomlinson uh, from 18 years ago. Oh. Yeah, because uh, we were doing, at the American Boy Choir School, we were doing a a choral conference, a yearly choral conference, uh, dedicated exclusively to children choir conductors. And uh, Anne came to one with Anne and Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca Thompson and I met them then and it was you know we 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 knew there was synergy and 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 we spent a long a lot of time talking and and then shortly after she invited me to come visit and uh, I brought the American Boy Choir here to Pasadena uh, a few times I think three times since since I took over as artistic director and every time I would think uh, this is a great place to work. <laughs> right. Yeah, to, great place to live and. Had to you work. been
0: here before? Before was that the first trip? That was to, the first trip uh, to Los Angeles? F- Angeles.
1: The very first time I came to Los Angeles was uh, my, my choir, the American Boy Choir. We were singing at the Oscars, and that was the first phone call to Anne. <laughs> Please help us. <laughs> we need we need, we need uh, somebody to host us so that we can make this happen. Yeah. Because just the flight alone, can yeah. you imagine? Um, of course. But that was quite an experience. We sang with Beyoncé. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the first time I was I was, uh, I, I, I was uh, floored by the beauty of Los Angeles. Yeah. And, and Pasadena in particular, my goodness. Yes. And so, uh, and it, it was the fact also that it, the Oscars are in February. And it was 75 degrees. It's a nice time to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I kept coming back and then... Uh, and was very gracious to invite me to do a master class with the choirs. And so I got to know all the other staff. And I got to know Mandy Brigham and Diana Landis and Steve Kronauer and mm-hmm. and Annie I and like the support Steve. staff. You
0: know, I used to take voice lessons from Steve. I know Steve. Oh, he's yeah, the best. He's a great guy. <laughs> he pretty. really is. Yeah.
1: I ha- I mean, th- this team is, there's There's a reason why the choir is the way it is. and. And, of course, has a lot to do with it. But there's never one single person in charge of a level of success like this. And the, the, yeah, the size of the it organization. Is the su- sure. It is the support system. It's it's the fact that it's a very strong team. And so, um, again, in getting to know them, um, on the way, I, I did the, the workshops and on the way to the airport, uh, I sort of, in a sideways way, I, I, I mentioned to Anne, you know, I I would love to work here sometime. and did you know that she was trans? she was I, I had no idea okay, I didn't know I mean this was five years ago okay and and then just when i was i was at a point with my work at the American Boy choir School, where I realized that it was the end of a cycle mm-hmm. and that maybe they needed some somebody with with different ideas mm-hmm. with new ideas, somebody that could. Reignite, uh, maybe the financial side of the choir, um, and and I started thinking it's time to move on, and that's when uh, I had this conversation with Anne, <laughs> and she, again very graciously, greatly encouraged me to to apply. Wow, and the rest is history. <laughs>
0: Tell me about your experience since you've arrived.
1: Oh, I loved it, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, I. Um, I feel it's a, it's, it's a great fit. I'm at a time in my life and my career that being here and working with these amazing choristers and this amazing staff is, you know, I'm ready to give as much as they need me yes. to give. Yes.
0: Now, uh, you mentioned uh, with the American Boys Choir that maybe you thought it was time for somebody else to come in and interject uh, mm-hmm. and insert some new energy. Um I find that, and I suspect this is the case for you, that you arrived here and you were energized with new ideas and things to do for the choir. And maybe it's the maybe the opposite. Maybe for you, that was the thing that needed to happen. And Absolutely. A, and what kinds of ideas have you come up with and what are you doing new for the choir? What, what, what's the goal here?
1: So um, the, the artistic vision for the choir is <clears throat> is long-term. hmm And uh, I I see the choir evolving in a couple of directions. Uh, The first one is in terms of expanding the repertoire. Um, I would like the choir to incorporate more music from other parts of the world. And that also implies learning vocal technique Mm -hmm. to be able to perform this, this music. The choir is known for the bel canto sound, and that's glorious and beautiful
0: well coming from la opera i can say we really appreciate it oh of course and <laughs> <laughs> i always love doing carmen with the kids
1: <laughs> oh and and that sound is the hallmark of lacc and that sound is not going to disappear yeah or it's not going to change but you can add colors to that palette and uh the the belcanto sound is good for 70 percent of choral music Repertoire, but what about that thirty percent? Right, and so if we're going to sing music from South Africa, uh, we cannot use the same vocal color than when we sing Carmen or India or or uh, India, India or, yeah. or South America. Right. Or there, uh, as we discussed, this this art of collective singing is universal, and there are so many ways to use your voice, mm-hmm. and that's the exciting part. So I I, I would love for us. To expand not only the repertoire but our way to sing repertoire without losing our core sound. Um, I also would like to present music differently. I mean, the the one of the hallmarks of LA as cultural center of the world when it comes to music is presenting classics in a different way when you go to a la symphony you can expect that something is gonna Mm -hmm. the music is there and it's just as beautiful but there is an added element that enhances that experience and uh i recently uh, attended a performance of di san pietro by the master chorale oh isn't that magnificent absolutely wonderful but but here is a piece that was meant to be sung at church that's right when you put it in a concert hall, something has to change, mm-hmm. right? And and this concept was brilliant. So uh, I I I think LaCC uh, should be able to do that as well. Um, I I want to break down certain stereotypes when it comes to children's qu- choruses, and and that's that they are angelic, they look angelic, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I as we discussed. Uh, children are capable of artistic sophistication just as much as a professional player of the LA symphony. And so we are going to create programs that that move this sophistication forward and hopefully appeals to the same people that enjoy uh, attending the LA field or attending the master chorale concerts. Sure.
0: I think the problem, well, not a problem, but a challenge that we face uh, can be taken from a very particular situation like a children's choir and it can move out to choral music and it can move out to classical music and symphonic music and operatic music and just classical music in general suffers from the same uh, stigma or stereotype uh, paradigm and I think that LA is one of the few places around that is attempting to break that and I think that's a great place for you to put yourself
1: Absolutely, that it's one of the Many reasons, but it's an important reason. It's one of the many reasons that I'm so excited about this job. Is because the sky's the limit. I mean, the fastest way to get a, a support for a project, an artistic project here in LA, is to say it's never been tried before. That's right. <laughs> and <then people> just <laughs> All we plug, need is money. <laughs> plug into that, um, <laughs> but but I, I again, I want people to look at the Los Angeles Children's Chorus as a chorus mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. That happened to be. Uh, populated by children but it is a a chorus capable of tremendous artistic output Mm -hmm. because they are Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just a way you know how you present this choral art that that somehow will open some of those doors so that this artistic um growth is one of the elements the other side of it is i i want more children to benefit from this amazing opportunity so I I would love to expand the choir here in Pasadena and Mm -hmm. and grow it but also we're thinking about creating satellite choirs in other parts of LA and in other parts of LA that need choral music more than uh, you think Mm -hmm. Um, it's amazing to me that LA one of the if not the capital culture of the world in LA, there are children that have zero access to art, Any kind or of very art. difficult access yes. to art. Yeah, yes. I shouldn't say zero, but but it's hard for them. There is no form of art in the schools because budget cuts. Uh, there are there is no access because they don't have a museum that is close to them, or or f- for them to go to a concert is something unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 these children need choral music. Uh, just as much or more.
0: Yeah, my mom has always said, because I've been in choir since I was in college, and I sing in the LA Opera Chorus, I, I love the fraternity and the mm-hmm. things that we've discussed. She always said, you never hear about a choir, stu- uh, a, you never hear a, a choral singer
1: uh, knocking up a 7 <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, there is something to be said about that. Uh, music in itself is, is a worthy goal, mm-hmm. right? The, Uh, music doesn't need fringe benefits to be justifiable however my experience working uh, in choral music and working with children for now 30 years over 30 years has been that there are some inherent benefits to doing choral music for a child you learn you learn life skills that that it would take longer to learn in, in any other uh, situation. So you learn teamwork, uh, collaboration in, to the maximum because it's collaboration where your effort adds to the efforts of everybody else, and the choir is going to be as good as you are. Uh, without having to shine a light on you, mm-hmm. you know, it it takes accountability mm-hmm. with that. Uh, if, if if you make a mistake, you are accountable for for that. That mistake uh, it takes acceptance it teaches being able to accept that other people might have different ideas than you and and you might look differently or you might think differently or you might dress differently than the person by you, but when you start singing, you're all the same There's one goal you're all the same so all of these life skills are really important for 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 children that are growing in in underserved communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, they're important for children everywhere. But children in 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 wealthy communities have more access to this kind of education than than children in underserved communities. So we are working towards uh, creating a system where we are going to grow the organization by putting satellite choirs in
0: through scholarship, through financial help, through through, through grants, grants, through mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, you know the the, the biggest aspect of this initiative is going to be fundraising. Yeah, money. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this city is incredibly generous with the funding for for art projects and is incredibly generous with funding for uh, uh, projects that have inc- inclusiveness mm-hmm. in it.
0: Tell me about how parents can involve their kids in the choir. What's the process?
1: The f- best way would be to visit our website. There's information about uh, when auditions are and mm-hmm. how auditions are are being held
0: and is that lacc.org yes great
1: uh, los angeles lachildrenschorus.org
0: lachildrenschorus.org yes okay that's the um what kind of commitment do you look for in a student in a participant I mean,
1: the the only requirement is love of music um and being able to match speech with which unlike most people think uh, 98% of humankind can match pitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, when you, when I hear somebody saying, oh, I never sang, or I I, I don't know how to sing, uh, here's a person that was told at a young right. age, you cannot sing. Right,
0: you've just forgotten how to sing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just ability to sing, passion for, for music. I, I, as we said at the very beginning of this uh, interview, um, some people are born with music in their heads. Mm-hmm so if you have music in your head then (laughs) you belong in (laughs) (laughs) the come see us okay Uh, and and that's all that really is all there is a number of rehearsals uh, uh, that that happen uh, for some ensembles is once a week for other ensembles is twice a week we also have a a very thorough musicianship program Hmm. so every chorister has to take a a musician class a week Mm -hmm. that is about 40 minutes long but it's essential I mean if you're going to be working with a craft you have to learn all the elements of that craft and musicianship is one of them
0: and how many ensembles are there
1: well there are seven ensembles we just created a new one wow <laughs> the, there are there is the uh, prep choir it's the very youngest and yes. uh, entry level then there is the apprentices i'm
0: sorry to interrupt what are the age uh ranges for the for the smallest for the youngest choir we don't
1: have age limit i see uh, I mean, I think that the, there is an age limit in terms of the youth, mm-hmm. uh, children that, that have to have a level of maturity to be able to benefit from the opportunity. But there is no... The, the assignment of ensembles is according to skill level mm-hmm. and, and the ability of the chorister to benefit from from that ensemble. Mm-hmm. So we have the, uh, the preparatory choir, then the apprentices, then the intermediates, then we have concert choir, uh, concert choir is the touring top touring ensemble, uh, and then from the concert choir, uh, the uh, top female singers create the chamber singers.
0: It's an all female.
1: It's an all female ensemble, mm-hmm. and then we have YME, Young Men's Ensemble, which is boys whose voice has changed or is changing, mm-hmm. and they are the ones that work with uh, Steve Cronauer. And then this year we created a new we created a new ensemble, which is the soprano, alto, tenor, bass it's a mixed chamber choir and it, it takes the uh, singers from concert choir and the singers from YME that would love to s- sing repertoire for, for mixed courses, And that has been a tremendous success. Wow. Yeah. It's a major uh, evolution and, and in some ways a revolution <laughs> in, in LACC. And my, my, my idea for the choir would be a small group. I didn't f- think much, maybe 20, 22 singers. We had 55 applicants. Wow. There's so much interest in it. Terrific. So we ended up with 35 singers. And only because it had to be a balanced choir and there were many more uh, sopranos and altos applying them <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> and tenors and bass that's so why i'm a tenor <laughs> I, I i took as many tenors and basses as i could and then made it balanced <laughs> yes yeah uh but it's uh, this this is this coming winter concerts are going to be our you know first performance and
0: that's what i'd like you to talk about last is i want you to plug some of your shows and tell me about what's coming up
1: so uh when is this going to be broadcast?
0: Today, tomorrow. Oh, okay. So yeah. then, yeah, yeah, it's a fast the, turnaround. It's just a one-man show here. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: this Sunday, uh, December ninth, yes, uh, we have our first winter concert, uh, and then on December sixteenth—that's my birthday. Oh, fantastic! It's same as Beethoven. Well, if you, you come to the concert, we might sing "Happy Birthday." <laughs> 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 so, and the sixteenth is our second concert. Wonderful. Uh, the, the, we're trying to do things a little differently. Yes. So, um, rather than have a a winter concert in which one ensemble works on stage and sings, and then they leave, and the next ensemble comes and they leave, and um, which is traditionally how the this tradition how they are they are done Mm -hmm. uh, um, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that has some drawbacks. Uh, The first one is it breaks the flow when you have to wait for a choir to exit and another to come in. But also, maybe more importantly, uh, for a parent attending the concert, they only pay attention, quote unquote, to the time where their kids are singing, right? So that means that if there's an ensemble before, they are can't wait for that ensemble to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as soon as that ensemble is finished, the their kids' ensemble is finished, then they they disconnect again and they can't wait for the concert to end. <laughs> so <they can> <laughs> I, I'm stereotyping. Mean, I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating. Yes. But there's a little bit of that. Yeah. So uh, by having all the choirs on stage at the same time and alternating performances, uh, all each, we have five sections, each section reflective of the season. So there is the se- section about welcoming, the season of welcoming, the season of warmth, the season of giving, the season of adorning, and then the season of celebrating. And each one of those sections is gonna have music by all choirs sang interspersed. And so the, the music is gonna go from ensemble to ensemble, and hopefully that gives more of a sense of an experience, a full experience, rather than a concert that is a collection linear, of songs, yes, exactly.
0: Uh-huh. And will you have five sets of risers uh, set up, or how do you how do you arrange the choir <laughs> well, how, logistically? <laughs> I'm just wondering how do you do that.
1: We, they are, so, this, this particular church has a huge altar area. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, five sets of risers. Then we use the choir stalls, yes, which is in one of the sections of the altar. And then we use the front of the altar. And, and we're gonna distinguish each section with light. Wow. Where once, when one section, one choir is singing, they're gonna have light. All the other ones are gonna be in the dark. Um, it's easier to send that than. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always the hardest part, is just arranging people. So, more, than, more than singing the music, it's always the logistics. Absolutely. So today
1: <laughs> and tomorrow, we're going to be struggling with the tech stuff. Yeah. But, but I think overall, it's going to be a, a, a very rewarding experience for and this anybody is the first that comes. time
0: that this uh, format's been. Uh, I believe so with, with LACC. Yes, yes, absolutely. How exciting. And this is December
1: 16th. And December 9th.
0: And December 9th, Pasadena Presbyterian. Pasadena Presbyterian and Church. How do you, and you get tickets at lachildrenschoir.org.
1: Yes, that would be the that would be the, the Los best Angeles way. Children's Choir. I Org? think it's LA, LA Children's, Children's Choir. Chorus. Chorus. Chorus.
0: LA Children's Chorus. Oh boy, sorry. Lachildrenschores.org. <laughs> LA <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this thing called Google. I guess you could just look it up.
1: Yeah, that's that's also a, a solution. <laughs> or if you come uh, the day of the concert, there might be tickets at the door. Although I can't guarantee that because sure. these are very popular concerts.
0: Yes. Perfect. It has been such a pleasure meeting you and I really thank you for being on my show.
1: Oh, I love being here. It was a great chat with you.
0: Thanks. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Fernando Malvar Ruiz of the Los Angeles Children's Chorus. I want to thank you, Fernando, for being a guest on my show. I sure enjoyed getting to know you. I want to thank Libby Hubner for setting up the interview. Thanks, Libby. It's great meeting with you today. And I also want to thank all of my listeners. I appreciate you, and thank you for tuning in. Remember to always be kind, do good work, and until next time. genius, get my